Good day. Welcome to Shepherd the Sheep. Today we have Gina Glermo, Jason Vaughn, and special guest Brad Arnold, all the way from Arkansas, joining us on a special topic, how to listen to an expository sermon. Welcome back. Hello. Welcome, Brad. It's been a while. Hey. It's good to have you. How's it going, Jason? You know? Good. Hey. Good to be on. Hey, uh, today uh, is Gina's 40th birthday. Oh. What? Yeah. That's, can you believe it? that on a down note. Yeah, yeah. Man, over the hill, G. Yeah, I know. I 10 more years that. and that'd be 50. Yeah. So, Why so. are we talking about preaching? We should be talking about uh, <laughs> how good it is to be so young. Yeah. I don't know. Right? How does it feel? Uh, do, you, do you remember 40 Red? <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> oh, man. I'm the youngest one here. Not really. Jason's what? like 42. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Not. When do you start dropping uh, grandpa jokes? <laughs> Granddad. Whenever jokes. you want. I mean, I don't have any grandkids yet, but I'm I'm certainly old enough. <laughs> right. Well, the dad jokes are good. You, you know when a joke becomes a dad joke, right? Uh, who, nobody laughs. I don't know. <laughs> when it becomes apparent. <laughs> oh my! Of course. Oh man, that's 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 such that. a classic. You did know that. Uh, that that's is <laughs> that's been around for a long time. So, well, we we missed Greg today. Uh, we're we're gonna have him back on the uh, podcast later because we're gonna interview him about uh, uh, his experience uh, as a. A youth pastor with teenagers and parenting. So, mm. uh, but today, special topic, uh, expository preaching. Yep. With the doctor. Yeah. With the doctor, Dr. <laughs> Dr. Brad Arnold. Brad, have you guys covered this in your podcast? Actually, no. Um, but we will now. Yeah, it's a good topic. I, I think it's really helpful to go over. That's why I'm preaching the sermon on it this Sunday. I just think periodically, you know, it's good to go over it just so. People are reminded, oh, yeah, um, expository preaching is kind of a, well, it's not something every church does, and there's not something every Christian is familiar with. So yeah. just reminding people of what that is and how to get the most out of it and kind of how that requires a certain amount of effort on the listener's part, just as it does on the speaker's part. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. I think it's a good thing to go through, talk about every now and then. Well, and you got your doctorate on this issue. <laughs> of course. Yeah. So yeah. Aren't you, you are a, you are a professional, right? <laughs> you are the expert on MacArthur's preaching. <laughs> I am educated beyond my intelligence. Yes. On that <laughs> yep. Yep. So, uh, cause you, d- you did, uh, two things. You did your dissertation on like, right. You studied, you, you kind of observed some of Max preaching style and, and, uh, put together some good observations on it? Yes, I did that as part of my D-man there. Um, I thought, well, people are saying he's not a great model for 
preaching. He's not the go-to homiletical model because every sermon he preaches turns into a series. So what I did is I said, well, let's just call out all the sermons he's done that are one part, you know, expositions of a passage and look at it, you know, level the playing field, so to speak, and look at those, see how well he does there. And it turns out he's actually a very good model if you study it from from that standpoint. So that's kind of what I did. I looked at like a hundred different sermons and made observations. So it was a very helpful for me. I enjoyed it. I don't know if anybody else would ever profit from it, but it was beneficial for my own edification. So right. that's what I did. Well, and um, just, I mean, I think our people know who you are, but just in case we, you know, you also planted a church there in uh, Fayetteville, Arkansas, the Fayetteville area. You're, you're really in Rogers, right? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Greg and I are both master's guys and we have been here for him six or seven. I've been here for 11 years, but we, we ended up planning this church, Anchor Bible Church. Uh, we're meeting in Rogers now. We all kind of live in uh, Springdale, Pontytown area, right south of there. But and then uh, you yeah, guys have a church uh, about thirteen months ago. So yeah, and you have a podcast too. Yes, we do. The local church matters. Yep, I love it. Mm-hmm. Uh, which you did not intend that with that was not pun intended. Uh, yes and no. Yes, and <laughs> yes. I like it. It's just sometimes like that. That's the thing I try to explain to the wife, right? Like. She's like, did you intend that dad joke? And it's like, honey, it's like natural brilliance, right? right? It's unthought of brilliance. And that's what makes yeah. him so brilliant. It's so natural. So natural. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, hey, uh, I'm glad you're on. Uh, we appreciate you. We pray for you here. And uh, hopefully our people are being educated because your your podcasts are actually um, a little different and nuanced than ours, but very helpful. And I always benefit from them. And you guys do an excellent job of, of really just covering the foundations of ecclesiology and, and the local church and, and God's plan for the church. And so... Um, but yeah, well, you guys, you guys are wonderful. Uh, we, we, we love you guys. And so, um, you know, we have this discussion today on you know, expository sermons. And, and you think about, right, people visit your church, you have friends that that you're trying to minister to, and at some point you invite them to a church, uh, or, you know, you have different people who, uh, are, are at a church and start saying, man, I really feel like there's gotta be more. And they start to, they start to ask the, right. They, they maybe get online and they hear a preacher and they go, wow, this person like really explains the text in a way that my pastor or my church doesn't. Mm -hmm. But then when they come and visit your church, you know, sometimes, you know, you're doing your thing and your church is on board with, with your thing, but the visitors are like, huh, this is really weird. And so, uh, in, in some of our discipleship of people, we've noticed that, that um, there needs to be some kind of discipleship of what to expect from an expository sermon. And so what we're hoping is that this discussion would help our listeners prepare their friend or loved one who's going to come to church with them this time on, on what to listen to, right? So I invite my friend Bobby, and I need to probably say, hey, Bobby, just so you know, you know, um, our sermons are expository sermons and here's what you can expect. 
So that's the goal of this podcast, to help our listener know what to expect from an expository sermon. And, right, because we'll, we'll explain what expository sermon is here in a minute, but, <clears throat> right, even before you go into the door of any building where, where your ears are going to be involved, right, we, we kind of walk into that building with expectations. And, you know, when you go to a movie, you, you're not expecting a lecture, um, now, every now and then there's some really heady movie out there, but a friend will always warn you, hey, that's a really heady movie. It's a thinker, you know? And so it helps when you go into that movie, right? When you go into a comedy, you expect laughter and comedy. When you go into a drama, you, you know, maybe expect some action or some drama. When you go into an action movie, you know, you expect the unbelievable to all of a sudden be on screen, you know? You accept it. <laughs> yeah, you, you just accept it. Yeah. But, but sometimes when sermons, I don't know that we always... Right, and so I think that's why it's so this this discussion so important because you're not coming to a movie where we are prepping a sermon to entertain you. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it's such a important um, aspect because I think people do kind of walk in with um, they, maybe they don't think this way necessarily, but I think they do come in with a kind of consumeristic um, frame of mind. Right. So, which means. Um, Either this this thing that the guy is going to do on the stage needs to be entertaining, um, you know, maybe motivational. Oh yeah. Uh, like there's some kind of profit in there. So like there's some kind of profit they're expecting, but the explanation of what the text actually says is something uh, maybe off putting. If that if that's what they actually get sometimes, and I wonder why. Mm-hmm. And I do wonder why because for someone like. Um, or for for maybe for much of our audience, that's what we want, right? We actually want the text to be so. Um, do you think that? Do you think though that this is maybe a hole in our discipleship? Though is prepping people for what to expect from a sermon, Brad? I mean, you you've been doing this, you know, thirty years. Yeah. No. I, I mean, I think you know. In part, I think you you. Uh, you you kind of you teach people how to do it by forcing them to do it, right? I mean, they kind of learn on the fly because um, once once they get exposed to it, and especially if they're, you know, coming to your church regularly, they're getting used to you as well and your style. Uh, so there's two, there's two things there, expository preaching in general, which may be new to some people, but then also you know, just the personality and style of the particular preacher that maybe does yeah. the bulk of the ex- right. exposition in that church. So kind of getting used to both of those things can be a learning curve, you know, mm-hmm. for anybody. Um, but I think they they adjust uh, on the fly, you know. They kind of get used to both of those at the same time as they continue to attend. Um, and so we're we're kind of grooming and discipling them about how to do it by doing it, you know, and it, it forces them to, to catch on and, 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 you know, they, they, they learn, okay, uh, he's going to have a little introduction and then he's going to read the text and then he's going to go through the text phrase by phrase. And he's going to explain, you know, every little part and he's going to pull in cross references and he's going to make applications and exhortations and 
so they just they they learn what to expect, mm. and then right. it gets easier and easier for them to you know to track with you and to listen uh, effectively. They know what parts are um, you know most important to listen to, and so on. They just get used to your your style. Okay, now he's fixed to wrap wrap this up, and he's going to really bring home the point with some you know loud volume or whatever it's going to be, but. So they kind of learn how to do it by by watching us do it, listening to us do it, and get used to our style of how we do it. Um, we can coach them on the front end on that a little bit, but and for new for brand new people or brand new believers, maybe we, we even need to. But right, um, most people pick it up as they if they're if they're willing to endure it once or twice until they get used to it. I think they're they kind of pick it up on the fly. I think, and what you just said is probably a very important point. Um, and maybe we'll talk about that a little later because that goes with a frame of mind, right? And what you said is if they want to do it and, you know, it, uh, unfortunately we all probably have good and bad stories of the difference between person A and person B is person A wants to learn person B wants something else. And so we'll talk about frame of mind here a little bit later down the road, but um, I think it's a very important point that you just made too, that there, there is in a sense, um, how to listen to an expository sermon, maybe some X's and O's, but maybe the art of listening is also learning the style of, of preacher boy up on stage. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So with that in mind though, uh, probably, you know, kind of the elephant in the discussion at this point is what is an expository sermon? Mm. And the, the distinction, right, is that with ex, uh, expository is not a style because you, yes. you're, you're talking about just Brad did mention that there's, you know, style of the preacher versus expositional preaching. Yes. So substance is, I think, maybe is where you start with in terms of expositional spe- preaching. But mm-hmm. we'll let we'll let the doctor go ahead yeah. def- define this. <laughs> yeah, Brad. Well, I, no, I. I I would, to me, an expository sermon, I, I define very simply as a sermon in which the goal is to explain the meaning of a passage, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you're, you're, um, goal, yep. you're picking a particular passage of scripture and it could be a verse or it could be a chapter or it could be a whole book, but your, your, your goal in your sermon is to, uh, explain the meaning and implications of that particular passage of scripture. So, and that means you're also going to derive the the point or the main point, um, the the structure or the outline, the content. All comes from that passage. It all comes from the text itself. So, to me, a true expository sermon is is a sermon in which, you know, like I say, the whole the whole substance of the sermon is coming from the body of the text itself that you're, that you're trying to, to handle. Mm. Um, yeah. I think so. Like you're, and even, you know, of course, even the structure grammatically, we try to figure out the structure of the passage and our outline sometimes even, uh, can reflect that, but right. at least the big ideas and, and, and the content, the top, the topic, the talking points, you know, you're, you're not just getting the topic from the text. You're getting all the content of the sermon from the text. Right. Um, 
And Brad, just to nuance that too, because, you know, I think you mentioned it in the beginning here, um, or at least maybe before we went on air, that uh, most of the time when we hear expository sermons, right, it's like, okay, this week I'm in John 3. Well, my last sermon was in, you know, verse 19 to 21, and this one's 22 to 36. So a lot of times we hear expository sermons where they go almost, you know, paragraph by paragraph through a book. But even topical sermons can be expository. Yes. Yeah, and that's because they're, even at a topical level, you're coming under the authority and explaining what the text says about a topic. Mm-hmm. So a marriage seminar can be an expository marriage seminar because you've come under the authority of the text. Now, those are often harder to do for an expositor because you, you know, you're trying to you know, understand like, like Brad said, you're trying to understand the grammar of the passage, the context of the passage, how this paragraph fits in with the other paragraphs, how this paragraph fits in with the purpose of the author throughout the entire book. So, so sometimes a little mini series is actually harder work than, mm-hmm. because when you're in acts, you know, you don't have to go and necessarily relearn the context. You're that, that context is fresh in your mind every week. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Right. Cause even topical, like what we're really seeking in a topical Sermon is what does God say about this topic, and yeah. when you're when you're asking the question, what does God say? You're really thinking about the entire scripture, and you're trying to, you know, uh, dig every maybe uh, the, the most relevant text at least that talk about that topic, and therefore yeah. you can say, thus saith the Lord, this is what God says regarding this topic. Yeah, and it is harder because then you're dealing with much uh, a much larger base of you know work to deal with. Versus just one passage or one verse, you know, multiple passages, multiple verses. That's multiple. That's much more work uh, for the uh, expositor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I think that's yeah, important. it is, and even the process of being selective because you can't, you know, you can't cover every relevant passage necessarily. So sometimes the hardest thing is what to leave out and what to focus on. And so a topical message to me can often be much more difficult. I would much rather. Just know, I mean, I know next week I'm going to be doing the next paragraph in James or whatever book I'm working through, and it's a lot easier to, you know, uh, plan your week and your time and your study time and all that without having to go, uh, okay, starting from zero, what am I going to talk about on Sunday? It's just, Mm. it'd be horrible to have to do that every week. Right. Now, you did mention something very interesting earlier, Brad. You said that the goal of the expository sermon is really to explain the meaning of the text. And um, yeah. now, I, I, so maybe this is the, this is when, when you're talking about the listener, you know, what is the listener's goal? Because if the listener's goal is not to understand the meaning of the text or the passage, then you have mismatching goals, right? That's where you're going right. to find, uh, that, that's where people will have a hard time. So if a listener has a completely different goal, and if he walks in and you're trying to teach the, the meaning of the passage, but that listener is not trying to learn the meaning of that passage, that gives us at least some kind of direction in discipling people. Maybe start with a goal, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. So what's the goal of, uh, I mean, for encouraging people to, to come under, uh, number one, come under the authority of the text. We assume that the text is God's word, God's saying something. Um, maybe number two, you know, uh, the goal is to understand the meaning. 
uh, for the listener. Yeah, well, uh, without the meaning, we don't have the scripture, right? I mean, scripture's worthless if we don't know what it means. So, um, obviously, our goal is to understand what God is saying, uh, what the text is saying, is what he's saying. So what is what is the text saying? That's, yeah, we have to get at that. Um, cultivating the interest for that may be the question, uh, how do we get people interested in what God is saying? And to me, um, obviously, if you're not saved, that's going to be a, an obstacle. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So for some people, they need to get saved. You're not going to be a good listener until uh, you have an interest in spiritual things, you know. So that's a starting point for some people. They need to be evangelized and shown their need for Christ. I think when you have an interest in Christ and and uh, a desire to know God, you're, you're going to automatically have a wanting to know what what his word says, both about him and about you and everything else. So mm-hmm. obviously salvation uh, can't be uh, taken for granted here. If we're not believers, then that interest level is just not going to be there generally. Yeah. Now, some people may have an interest just casually in what what's the Bible all about? What's Christianity all about? But the deep level of interest that we're talking about where you sit week after week and listen to you know, the exposition of scripture, that's not going to be there normally for anyone but believers who have a hunger and desire to follow all of Christ and live in obedience to God. So yeah, it is a matter of discipleship. It's evangelism. Step one. Um, I think at the same time, you know, it's, it's, it's people that are dead serious about sanctification, right? You understand the process of sanctification and where scripture fits into that. Um, and to me, this would be the, the thing that if I'm inviting a friend, that that's going to be the conversation we need to have. Like in your Christian life, how ser- how important is scripture generally? Right. You know, do you understand the nature and the process of sanctification and how, it's the word of God that God uses to do that work in us. And apart from that, you know, there's no growth. So, um, are you serious about growing spiritually? If you are, this is how we grow spiritually. That's why we're doing this. That's why we're listening so carefully to these tedious expositions verse by verse through books of the Bible we want to know God and we want to grow in our obedience to him. The only way to do that is give our attention and devotion to what he says. So I think people have to come to terms with, uh, sanctification as well. Like what is sanctification and what role does the Bible play? What role do sermons play in sanctification? Mm, Um, that's really good. And then also just, you know, cultivating a high view of scripture, you know, the, the Bible we're preaching from is the word of God. So do we want to play fast and loose with that? Or do we want to be very careful with that and keep a finger in the text and say, Oh, that's what it says. Wow. And, um, 
be very serious and reverent about that whole process of making sure we're really getting what he's saying. So I think all of those things are, are crucial. If you're thinking about discipling somebody to be a better listener, discipling maybe a new person to be able to uh, eat and digest, you know, an expository sermon maybe for the first time is talking through some of those things with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's interesting too, because you bring up a really good point, right? If the Holy Spirit's in you, the word of God is going to minister. Um, mm-hmm. And, and sometimes maybe we are frustrated with a spouse or our kids because mm-hmm. they complain about the sermon and it might just be that he or she isn't saved. Yeah. And so evangelism becomes important there. Right. And so not, and I want to be careful, right? Because um, there is a question out there among people, well, why can't it be entertaining? And so in their mind, they're saying, well, why can't it be, which might be part of our kind of discussion down the road here. But um, so just because they ask that question, I, I'm just, you know, don't, don't look at your spouse, and say you're an unbeliever for asking that question, right? The, yeah. the, the fruit of, of you know, a believer produces some fruit, um, that question doesn't mean they're an unbeliever, but, mm-hmm. but, you know, just, it, it may be like, you need, maybe need to realize, Hey, the reason why my kids are bored in a sermon is because it's a sermon. And I think even then, yeah. you know, w- we see it where parents say, well, but we want our kids to, you know, why, why can't the church be more entertaining for our kids sake? And, mm-hmm. and that's fair. I, I get the question. I get the concern. But it's like the sermon is not meant to be entertaining. It's meant, right, to exalt God first. And mm-hmm. it's meant to explain the text. And so I, I always kind of go back to the woman at the well, you know, and, and Van Hooser's article on we worship in spirit and truth. And on the one hand, we we put up the standard of the truth while at the same token trying to explain the truth so that people have a better understanding of who they're worshiping. And so... You know, it's this twofold exalting the right God while at the same time explaining the right God always yeah. in more depth. Mm-hmm. The, the, that's such an important point because, um, you know, really what we're, what we're saying as parents is our goal then is to really, uh, as you've mentioned, cultivate a heart that desires to know God or cultivate some kind of expectation that... Look, you, you're here because you want to know God. You want to know what His Word says. Um, yeah. And if if entertainment is what they're they're desiring, then uh, I think as parents, right, we might need to help them kind of curb that a little bit. Hey, that's what movies are for. That's what you know. That's what some great books are for. Right. But when you're stepping into the church, you're you're, you're asking the question: What is what is God saying to me today? What is he, What are you trying to communicate to me? Because Right. If we're coming under the authority of the word, then what we're really saying is, I, I want to learn God. I want to know him. I want to grow in what he has for me. Yeah, I think that's that's huge. Um, you have this, you know, I, when I grew up in, in Oklahoma, I, I now remember parents saying, well, you know, we left the church, but after we have kids, we kind of came back because we want our kids to grow up in this environment. Mm-hmm. But it was interesting, right, because some of those same people that invite you to go out with them Monday night for a guy's night, but the place they're inviting you to go to is like 
and your wife knows you're going there. Like, you know, and so there's a disconnect and almost like church was an ethic for them. You know, like they liked the ethics of the church because of its conservative values mm-hmm. and they didn't want their kids sleeping around. And so they wanted them in a safe ethical environment, but it still lacked worship. Mm. And so interesting, right? Wow. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well that, that potentially would derail. So I got to like come back here. <laughs> um, cool. So, so we've kind of asked the question, right? What is an expository sermon? Um, you know, and you started to kind of get into, you know, you really, you really got into, you know, saved people are interested. And so we've talked about, right. Okay. What is an expository sermon? What are my expectations a little bit, but, but let's talk a little bit more about the expectations, right? Like, um, what frame of mind do we need to have? Do we need to prepare to have when we come in with God's people at a gathering, whether it be a Bible study or a church, church service. Mm. Yeah. So what kind of frame of mind do we need to have? Well, you just mentioned worship and something clicked in my head. I, you know, trying to connect like what we do as worship. So I think, um, the frame of mind, at least from the listening point of view, right? Listening should be worshipful or like listening should be an act of worship which yeah. means you're bowing your heart to what God has to say. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah. So listening is worship. I don't know. Do, do with that <laughs> as you will, but that was just helpful. And it just clicked in my mind and, you know, I mean, it might be like a jumping point to, uh, to, to other things, but yeah, listening is worship. Right. Well, I mean, no, I, yeah, go ahead, Brad. Sorry. I, I think that's, I think that's the crucial issue. Like you're, um, I think that's part of the problem. That's that's part of the the cultural problem we we've created too. Even by calling our services services, right? Because we we we've created this uh, consumeristic expectation. You know, I'm coming to be served. I'm coming for you. You 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 have something for me. You you're gonna you know you're gonna serve me. You're gonna serve me. Uh, motivational speech or you're going to serve me some entertainment or you're going to serve me some wonderful music or whatever it is. But, but I'm a spectator and I'm a consumer and you're serving me. Yeah, it's really bad. That's what we're, that's, and, and we're calling our corporate gathering services. So we're giving that away right up, right up front. Um, when that's not really at all what's going on, we are all coming to worship God. Um, and that's an activity that we're engaged in uh, while we sing songs, while we pray or hear prayers, while we read or hear scripture, while we sit and listen to a sermon, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's all, it's all an act of worship on my part, your part, everyone's part. So there's no passive, you know, there's no passivity in any of that. We all are to be fully engaged in Worshiping God corporately, listening to a sermon is just as much a part of that as singing a song. Mm. Yes. In fact, maybe a higher form of worship, because now I'm giving my attention to what God has to say to me, rather than focusing on what I have to sing to Him. So it is bowing, exactly what you say, it's, it's bowing your heart before the Lord and saying, Lord, I need you 
that's the greatest need in my life, which means I need to hear what you say, what you think, what you believe, what you know to be true. I get that from the scripture, so I'm coming prayed up and prepared up, expecting that the preacher is going to stand up there and give me a word from God. Um, Because that's what fuels my own worship. That's what fuels my love for God, right? It's, It's his truth. So I think the frame of mind we have to come is as a worshiper. And again, this is, yeah, if you're bringing somebody into that for the first time, that's, that may be new. And so you may have to do some upfront talking about all of that, but look, we, we come to church to worship God. Um, so if that's not the frame of mind you're in, you're, you're not going to get it. You're not going to enjoy it. There's not going to be the same. You're not going to be into it. Like I'm going to be into it. Mm, right. Um, which is why, yeah, is why our unsaved kids or whoever, you know, oh, hate your, yeah, well, you're not, you don't love God. You're not passionate about knowing God and worshiping Him. And so, yeah, that's why I say the, the being saved part is such a huge. <laughs> no, you're right. I think, too, it's like, like what you said, you know, um, when I go to an Avengers movie, my favorite thing about, you know, an Avengers movie is you can kind of sit down and you can kind of just check out mentally and go along for the ride and laugh a little and you leave with this like, oh yeah, the Avengers avenged Earth, you know, and it was fun and entertaining and, but, but worship is not that way. It's engaging. And like you said, it, it is a little bit of work in that, um, you know, after, after a Sunday after corporate worship, a lot, of, I know a lot of people are like, man, I'm tired. I need a nap. And it's like, yeah, cause it's not, it's not a movie where you ate your popcorn and your Coke and you left, you know, you know, holding, you know, holding that restroom break in for the last five minutes of the movie. And, you know, then you go to the car with this, like, okay, that was, you know, and I need to go do something cause I feel lazy for two hours. Whereas corporate worship is engaging. So I think even like, what, what do I need? What frame of mind do I need? Right. I, I think that's important. I need to realize that when I come in, that worship requires my engagement and that if I don't engage, why? What What is holding me back from wanting to engage? And it's probably a fair question to ask ourselves, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, and, and the reality is everybody comes in, you know, with this kind of, well, I'm tired. Well, yeah, I mean, we're all tired. And that that's, that's called, actually called life. I've, I've learned that that's life <laughs> that, yeah. Or, yeah, I don't, I've never met anybody that's like, man, I'm never tired in my life, you know? And so, but it's that dedication to, okay, Lord, because I love you, I'm going to be here. And you think about it, right? Like even in the services, you're going to say hi to other people. So ministering to like serving and talking and engaging those people's worship, singing is worship, but it's the same thing for the sermon. Um, and so, you know, you're wanting to engage mentally. And I think this is a part of it, right? Like on the one hand, some of us are listening to, does he say what I already agree or what I want him to say to me? Right. At some point, some of us are judging a sermon solely on, does that fit with what I already think about God? Mm-hmm. Uh, which on the one hand can be okay. On the other hand, it can be bad, right? When, when the preacher exposits the text and the text actually confronts our view of God, 
So we even have to be ready, I think, right, that the text might confront us or ask us to reshape our thinking. So at some level, I think I have to come into an expository sermon as a listener and a learner, ready to change my mind. Because the tech, right, the spirit needs to change my mind if my mind's wrong. Mm-hmm. Is that fair? Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Okay. yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so maybe the frame of mind is I'm here to engage and learn mm-hmm. and exalt. Yep. Um, you know, the, the word that was coming to my mind as we're talking about listening and worship, like there's a contemplation that happens as you're listening to a sermon. Right. Uh, the engaging is like, you know, I, 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 I love that picture of just Jacob wrestling with God. That's what we're really doing as we're listening to the word. We're like, God, what are you, you know, wow, you know, you're, you're, you're saying this to my soul or you're encouraging mm-hmm. me this way. I'm like, oh, that's what I need to do with people. That's how I need to love people. Um, so it's different than checking out and going along for the ride. In a sense, um, we're, we're all coming like, right, maybe the frame of mind is they come as a worshiper not as a consumer and a worshiper, right? It's, it's, it's almost like a priestly service. They put in the work and you go in there, you know, you sing with, you sing to, we sing together. We pray together. We're not the object of the prayer. It's, you know, the church prays together. Um, it's not, it's not me that uh, I'm not looking a specific answer maybe for a specific problem in life, but I'm just, coming, learning God and growing in God. So it is interesting because the consumeristic mindset or the frame of mind is, the wrong frame of mind is me versus like us coming to God together. Um, but yeah, I just, I just thought of contemplation as you talk, of, talk about learning and contemplating, meditating, even as the sermon is going on. I, I, you know, that's why we encourage taking notes a lot because that, that helps me contemplate. Mm-hmm. Um, that I, I write a thought down and, and, and I write down something that maybe I'm learning that week in connection with the passage or something like that. Mm. Um, I'm, just, I'm not just contemplating that moment. I'm contemplating my entire life, if that makes sense, like what I've been going through and what you know challenges I've been facing and how that, that word that was just preached might have, you know, it, it's that, that, that missing puzzle that, put together certain things that my, that was missing in my thinking, you know, it's, it's a contemplation. There's it's, so I love that. It's, it's engaging. You're contemplating, you're learning. It's a focus, lots of energy, lots of, so you can't, you, you, you do have to come prepared. You do have to come like, I mean, if you're coming yeah. with lack of sleep, man, you're going to be, you're going to be yeah. uh, missing out a lot. Yeah. And I think that's what you mean by lack, by lots of energy is you having the mental, energy to engage, you know, cause some people are like, well, I just don't feel like there's a lot of energy on stage and what they're looking for is a rock concert. Mm-hmm. But again, that's not what preaching God's word is. Yeah. You know, it's okay to go to a rock concert, go rock away, have fun and enjoy it. But don't, I think that's one of the big problems, right? Is, and now, now, you know, there, there are people that have figured this out. Uh, the interesting part is in first Corinthians chapter one and two, Right, Paul says, I came to you to know nothing except for Christ and him crucified. And in that passage, he talks about, you know, not using the rhetoric of the world. But Paul lived in a world where, you know, they didn't have movie theaters. They would go hear these orators. And basically, comedians have been around since Paul's day, right? Because some of them were comedians. Some of them were motivational speakers. And Paul said, you know, I didn't didn't seek to really adopt any of those rhetorical styles in my preaching. 
I sought to give you the content so that you knew that it was the power of God unto salvation, right? Almost, almost as if saying, so that you knew you weren't persuaded by some oratory device. You know, you're not coming here because I'm Brian Regan and I'm hilarious and I've got great jokes every week. It's the power of God and the cross that's drawing you. Mm-hmm. And you know what I mean? Almost like tie it back to the content, not the rhetorical devices. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that yeah. can be pretty convicting because I, there was a time in my life where I didn't know this, but I was right. drawn to rhetorical device. I mean, there's a reason why 20,000 people watch, you know, the guy on the stage and just are, they go every week and they're just so motivated. Yes. You know, um, there's something about that rhetorical device that's so, I don't know. Yes. Yeah. Well, we figured it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we figured out how to, um, um, to entertain people through their ears. Yeah. And TV, unfortunately has done away with this a little bit because I, you know, I'm not on the anti TV, um, bandwagon among Christians. You know, there's always those like, Hey, shouldn't watch it all. And it's like, yeah, okay, whatever. But on the flip side, I do think it is fair to, to remember that because I can watch a two hour movie, I can actually engage in a two hour though. My guess is none of us preach for two hours, but I, I could actually mentally engage in a two hour lecture if I needed to. The question is, have I done the work to prepare my brain to do that? Hmm. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I mean, I think there's that, that, that'd be a whole other uh, good topic for your podcast would be like what effect has TV or, or video had on our ability to listen to the monologue. Right. I think it's huge. And I think it's way more than just that the content on TV is bad for us spiritually or whatever. It's, it's, it's that that is such a dramatically different type of media right. than a sermon. So when people are asked to come and sit for an hour exposition, that's something that's unique to anything else they do their whole life. Right. That's not normal. That's right. not how anything else in the world is communicated to them. <laughs> so I think we have to be more sensitive to that. Is that, okay, I'm asking you to do something that is is a weird form of communication, first of all, in the eyes of the world. No, that's it's a, an archaic it's an archaic form. But it's the form, it's the means God has chosen to use, right? Like in that passage you're talking about, he he says uh he uses that phrase, God was well pleased through the foolishness of the message preached, right, to save those who believe. Um literally it's God was well pleased through the foolishness of preaching to save those who believed, uh, who believe. So uh, I think coming to terms with that, that, that this methodology that we use called preaching is foolishness in the eyes of the world um, who don't understand the wisdom of God and how he works that's why God chooses to do it that way, to baffle the wisdom of man, et cetera. But um, 
you know, I, I think I think we have to acknowledge that too, even as preachers. Like, look, what you're doing up there is foolish. It's foolish, right? Um, but it's God's choice, God's method of choice. That's why we're doing it, not because it's popular or kids think we're cool or relevant or whatever. We're we're doing what God has chosen for us to do in terms of how we communicate His Word, um, and that's the means He uses to save people. What's What's interesting is how the the method fits the message, right? The cross, the content of our message is just as foolish as the method of our message, right? They're both foolish. So there's a match there. We're preaching a foolish, foolish message and the act of preaching itself is foolish. So all that to say, God gets all the credit for anything that comes of it. Right. Right. You know, that's a really Uh, good point, Brad, because you know, we do listen to lectures you know, podcasts are becoming huge, um, even this conversational-style podcast. But if you think about a sermon, it's actually not like any of that. It's not a TV production with edited, multi-different camera angles. Um, yeah. It's not a lecture because it is an explanation, exhortation, um, maybe even a lament, right? I mean, depending on the text. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet, at the same token, it's not a... Um, Right, it is. It's unique. It is a uniquely, um, and yet each of us can even kind of have our own method of putting together an expository sermon. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. and yeah. so it is. It is interesting, right? That's a really good point that mm-hmm. that you are doing something this hour on Sunday that really can't be reduplicated or reproduced in any other way than this hour on Sunday with God's people. Right. And yeah. so you can so see, really, yeah. <laughs> so really that's, that's actually something we have to coach everybody up on, right? Not just new people who aren't used to it. It's, right. it's actually, it's actually new to everybody. Uh, I mean, even if you listen to expository preaching all your life and that's all you've ever known from church, um, still, what we're doing is bizarre. It's unique enough that sometimes we do just have to stop and remind people, hey, um, what we're asking of you is strange. We know that. But here's why we do it. And uh, just just give them that speech, you know, periodically so they understand, you know, we're not just doing this because we haven't figured out a more creative way to do it. We're not at liberty to find a more creative way to do it. This is God said to do this, preach the word in season and out of season. That's why we do this. And how we preach it is also scriptural and biblical. We're just following, you know, the protocol that's been established, the precedent that the apostles established. You see it in their preaching and acts. What were they doing? But expounding the Old Testament scripture, showing how it pointed to Christ as a fulfillment. Right. Those were expositions, basically. Those were, those were evangelistic expositions of Scripture, right? Yeah. To unbelievers. They're still expositing Scripture. And, of course, the model that, you know, Paul kind of gives Timothy, and just reading the text, explaining it to give the sense of the meaning, all that's borrowed from the, mm. the synagogue and even beyond, right? Nehemiah and Esther's day, so. 
You know, it's um, uh, a couple weeks ago when I was preaching on preaching, and I know you're preaching on preaching this Sunday. Uh, in my prep, it dawned on me that, um, you know, you have a lot of people saying, well, I want the pastor in the sermon to be relatable. And I asked the question in my mind, is that an expectation we can have from somebody who's opening God's word, communicating content about a transcendent God who is not like us, but yet who bridges the gap to us to draw us to him? And it made me think, you know, that that's actually hard to be relatable to any person communicating that message, you know. And unfortunately, sometimes we hear the preacher talking about the holiness of God and we misappropriate and think, oh, he thinks he's holier than thou. But I can tell you, I've never preached on God's holiness and thought, oh, yeah, that's me and not you. Like the weight of that is on me as much as it is probably a par on anybody listening at that moment as well. And so even kind of like, is he relatable I wonder, right, is that the wrong expectation from a sermon to be relatable? Because how do you, the only way to relate to God is through the Son, Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. by the Holy Spirit. It is different because we, we can't, you know, God condescends to us. So it's completely the opposite. We don't, we don't like ever achieve like um, a different plane of, you know, God. Godheadness or something like that, but God actually comes down, puts on flesh, and becomes like us to uh, to explain Himself in a way that we could almost, you know, in a way that we can comprehend, I guess. Right. Um, but yeah, it's, it's preaching is unique because the content is His Word, the subject is Him, right? And we're we're calling people to be to to, to worship Him to um, respond to who he is, really. And in every text of Scripture, we're learning something about God. We're we're being compelled to change our mind about something, change our hearts about something, about whether it's about us or about God. Right. So, you know, maybe part of frame of mind is expecting, too, that you might not have the same, you might not hear the same thing as those around you. Right, it is possible that you know you say pursue peace with all men, and your wife next to you has this. You know what? That's encouraging because that tells me that you know my my goal of helping this person be reconciled to God is the right path. So I need to keep keep pursuing that goal. Whereas you know you heard that. And you got confronted with, why is your goal to get this person out of your life when your goal should be to pursue peace with this individual? And so, right, even even there, like, I'll hear people say, oh, it's a great sermon. Why? Well, because it was convicting. And it's like, well, is a convicting sermon better than a non-convicting sermon? Or is it possible that, you know, because of our different understandings, trials of life situations, right, that... Our, our mind is so easily bent away from the way God wants us to think that at the same token, you know, that, that so to be confronted with, hey, your mind is bent on this, it, it can be convicting and it can make you feel bad 
right? Which is, but that's a part of the spirit's work. And yet at the same token, I mean, that this is an observation I've had. Often people doing the right thing don't hear from other people you're doing the right thing. You know, we tend to hear when we do something wrong and mess up. So even to know that the spirit may take that word and say to you, like, listen, you are doing the right thing. Those people around you that think you're crazy for not abandoning this friendship, they're the crazy ones, not you, because you're pursuing peace with all men and keep being faithful in your ministry to those people. So maybe part of that, you know, listening to expository sermon is being ready for the different ways in which you may be addressed by the text. Yeah. Right. Right. Which again, if you're, if you're in the right frame of mind, right, you're coming as a reverent worshiper, you're coming as a, as a learner, you know, you're going to be fully engaged in listening what the Lord is saying to you from this text. Then yeah, you, hopefully that, that goes with that you're expecting and that's that's the beauty of of of, um, of preaching in, in that corporate setting right you you know you, you can be preaching and expounding the meaning of the text and already somebody is thinking of applications in their own life and you haven't even got to that yet right you know and and they'll talk to you after the sermon's over and say man I needed that. And they'll tell you, you know, what part of it they, they needed. And you're like, I never even said that. <laughs> all, you know, I, all the time. You, you drew an inference, you know, you, you extrapolated from what I was saying to something that's pertinent to you in your life right now. Hey, the Holy spirit made those connections. I, I never did. I, I wouldn't have, I didn't think to do that. I, I might've thought to do that, but I, I didn't. So, the the way the spirit will apply, you know, the truth to each person there, sometimes in very unique, different ways, is is just one of the incredible, miraculous dynamics of of the preaching event, right? That God can use this sermon from this text in all these myriads of ways in people's lives, and it's it's powerful. It's way more powerful than you you could have ever anticipated you, you couldn't have sat in your study long enough and come up with all the ways, all the implications and applications of this text to all your people. And the Holy spirit does it in one breath. Mm. So that's that to me, that's the most liberating thing anyway, right? About being the preacher. I don't have to come up with all that. I truly can sit in my study and say, Lord, what is this passage saying? What's the main thing here we're trying to get across what's some maybe main points of application to our church where we're at right now and and that's enough and then as you go through that you know all kinds of other things come up because there's a spiritual dynamic at work there that you know is god's part not your part so right but it frees you up as a preacher not to feel like you know you have the burden of of doing all that you know, and and I think mm-hmm. we talked about this a couple weeks ago yeah. before I preached that sermon, Brad, and then Gina and I have talked about this, but the three of us haven't talked about it together, that, you know, the beauty of the, why it's so important to to do this in a corporate gathering where you know those people, right? And so I get that for some people, you know, cancer, sick, whatever, you, you, may, you may have to, you may do church service online, 
and you may be able to call a friend, but there's something about after the service or just doing life with these people around you all the time where, you know, application comes out in your private conversations with the one another. And yet the fact that the three of you, you know, sitting around together, maybe you're, you know, maybe you're having a pipe together and you're, you're just hanging out and doing life and talking, but all of a sudden Johnny brings up parenting and you're, you know, now the three of you, because there's that common preaching foundation and the teaching of the word of God together that the three of you've heard where those sermons actually almost can come together at that moment and become very personally applied to Johnny and his situation. You know, maybe, maybe he and his spouse are at odds over how to parent the kids. Right. And so now you're talking about how the grace that you've been preaching and the wisdom you've been preaching from James, how that applies in this situation to, to being a husband and a father to his kids, you know? And so Right. It's even interesting. Expository sermons are are meant right through that teaching, not only in the moment, but it's a part of that community life where now individually you're able to sharpen it, iron, sharpen iron, you know, in a way that where you're doing life in a more, you know, you're learning to walk in wisdom and godliness through life together. And so, mm. yeah. 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 And that's, you know, that's the beauty. I, I think, right. Cause like you said, some points of application for the church as whole. But if you think about it, if you had to apply that sermon to every individual there, you would, you would be a six hour event. Right. Because you would, you would start on the front row and you know, okay, Kyla, here's how I see this passage applying to your life. Just listen to your husband, babe, listen to your husband, (laughs) just trust him, you know, but, but it would take forever because you would, you know, by the time you're in the back row, you know, hey, your visitor, you know, tell me a little bit about your life. Okay, what are you struggling with? Okay, well, here's how, you know, you would, uh, you know, it's just not um, yeah. feasible. And so that's that's why even the expository sermon, I kind of worry that, you know, I think, I think there's a one hand, I want people to be prepared mentally for what they're about to get into. And on the other hand, I don't want them to boil worship down to only the sermon. Mm-hmm. You know. I'm glad we have the helper. Yes, <laughs> you forget. You know, he's he's the you, you had mentioned that earlier, Brad. Just the 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 Holy Spirit is. I mean, man, that's another dimension of the help He provides. Uh, Absolutely, application and uh, encur- you know just encouragement and conviction and yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now you know the, the thing you're mentioning there reminds me of another thing that I would probably say if you're trying to prepare someone first-timer to come and hear um, because you know if you're just if you're just going to be a marginal casual attender of a church mm-hmm. then you're not going to get much out of even expository preaching okay so if you want to be a better listener to expository sermons be more fully engaged in the life of your local church. Hmm. That's how you become a better listener. I like it. Preach it. Because now you're listening for more reasons. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Now it's not just me listening for me. It's, it's me listening as a part of us all listening for what mm. God is saying 
you know, to us. And yeah, it's so helpful, actually. Yes. I think you, until you, until you are serious about your local church and you're, and you're fully engaged in the life of your local church, then sermons are not going to be all that important. Right. But the minute you get serious about corporate body life and all the one another's of scripture and really using your gifts in service to one another in the body, then all of a sudden the scripture, the, the sermons become the prompters for that and the catalyst for that and the fuel for that and the motivation for that and the energy for that and the instruction for that. Right. Right. It, it, it becomes a matter of desperation. I, I, I've got to hear God's word because I have all these people in my life that I, I need to be ministering to and, and praying for and doing all the one another's with, and you can't possibly do that on an empty tank. Man, you've got to be filled up, and the way to get filled up is to feast on the Word of God and have it feed your soul and equip you. That's what we're trying to do, right? Equip the saints for the work of service. So Absolutely. Nothing does that better than expository preaching. You know, so Brad, based on what you're saying there too, like it just dawned on me because I've heard people say, oh, I was listening to your sermon and I'm really disappointed that Johnny wasn't there because he really needed to hear that point. Now, on the one hand, when people say that, I've heard us respond with kind of a criticism of you needed to hear that. Like you running to somebody else's potential conviction might be short-circuiting your own sanctification. And, And there might be some truth to that. But is it also possible that that's that that response is kind of striking the right chord, but in a wrong way, right? Like it may be that the spirit is reminding you of a situation between you and Johnny, and it's not that he necessarily needed to hear it from preacher boy, but that now that you've learned it, maybe you need to go with gentleness, discuss this with Johnny. And address Johnny, you know what I mean, in his life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah, instead, instead of saying, oh, too bad Johnny wasn't here. He, he sure needed to hear that. Uh, maybe our response at the back door should be, well, you know, it's not too late for him to hear it. Right. You could go tell him. <laughs> right. You know, he doesn't have to hear it. Yeah. He doesn't have to hear it here. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, I think that puts that puts the application, you know, the burden of application uh, on people. Like, hey, that's the reason we're preaching is so you go. A light bulb goes off in your mind, and it goes, ah, that's something I can talk about with Johnny. Yeah, go do that. Right. Yeah, because that's part of our discipleship, right? Johnny may yeah. need to hear that because of a blindness to sin, an outright rebellion. And the ability to take what we learn and go and say, Johnny, I love you. Um, you are you are made in God's image and you are valuable. And I want you to know Christ better. Have you ever thought about this? Like, have you seen what this text says and how it addresses? And is there something I can do to, to serve you, to help you understand this better? You know, are you, you know, and so, I mean, right, the, the application to any sermon is to go serve. Mm-hmm whether, you know, both God and, and, and man that God has put in your life. And so, yeah. yeah. So there's an aspect of this that, I, that it just, 
brought my attention to. So if you're not involved in community, if you're not involved in the one another's, then really the sermon becomes can easily become an intellectual exercise. Yes. And if that happens, you know, I could see people saying, well, that sermon wasn't really helpful because I already know that about God. Right. Or, you know, you just kind of develop this attitude of like, I'm not learning anymore. I'm not growing. Um, and that could be a scary place to be. That could be a red flag that you're not involved. Would you agree with that? Like you're, you're not involved enough with in others' lives or like, I mean, I mean, obviously there's other possible things going on, but I mean, that to me, that's a red flag. Like, um, yeah. you know, you're, you're sitting under the, the explanation of God's word and, and, and you walk out thinking or having the thought that, wow, that's, that was not profitable, you know, um, or that was boring because I already know that. Right. I, that might be yeah, no, I, I, I think so. It is a red flag. I mean, if you even have that attitude, well, I've, I've heard this part of that. I mean, I can say that about most of the sermons I hear, right? You and I, you and I, all of us could maybe say that about a large percentage of the sermons we hear. We hear uh, very familiar things from passages that are very familiar. And we go, oh, yeah, I've heard that before. I've heard that before. But that, but we would never say, ah, that sermon didn't do anything for me because I, I knew all that already. Um, because again, it's the frame of mind thing, right? Like I'm not coming with the expectation that you're going to say something I've never heard before. In fact, if you say something I've never heard before, that's when the red flag should go up. I'm, I might have a problem here. Right. He's coming up with stuff nobody's ever heard before. Right. But no, so you, you assume you're going to hear things that are familiar, maybe a few things that are new, different twists, things, but generally you're hearing same truths over and over, just what Peter said. I'm, I'm just reminding you of what you already know, you know. But it's that, even in that, right, there, the Lord uses that to remind me, to refresh my thinking about those things, to renew a focus maybe on those particular things, even if they're basic things. Um, and that's, we all need that, right? We need We need our minds renewed day by day, and we need transformation that comes from thinking on those things over and over and over again. Mm. Um, that's part of the sanctification process. But, but again, it's also part of if I'm coming as a worshiper, right? Not just a, a spectator, but an engaged worshiper, you're calling to mind familiar things that cause me to rejoice and, and praise God and give him thanks and exult in him for his goodness and grace in my life and so on. So, yeah, if anybody has that, yeah, heard that before, kind of an attitude, then they're certainly missing the point of what sermons are for. Mm. No, you're right. They're not benefiting. They're not benefiting from them like they need to be. It's interesting. When I'm teachable and I, you know, just not even reading the Bible or, um, uh, you know, even attending church. And I watched some video on, on some guy and his method on how to make coffee, which I've been doing now cool. for, you know, over 10 years and, you know, yeah. can do it when I'm half asleep in the morning and I'm, 
you know, you're just kind of flying on autopilot, but it's interesting. You watch them and you still learn something and you go, wow, that was really beneficial to watch. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and if that can apply to, to earthly things like coffee, right. It is interesting. Like Gino, you know, a couple weeks ago you're preaching and, you know, again, Philippians, we taught through that in Bible study back in Pasadena. And so you're not saying anything that, that I haven't even looked at the Greek on. And yet it was just really, again, helpful to be reminded of those things. And like, yes, this, this does matter, you know, and this character, these character things need to be, you know, and so just, again, it's helpful, right? If you're sitting there listening, like, you know, anxiety is unbelief. Yes. Like, you know, where it's interesting because you, you know, even being a pastor, right? None of us are probably living anxiety free life. And yet there are probably times where you go, man, my, I still have unbelief in my heart. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 There is something about uh, maybe another aspect of this is like, you know, I'm interested in the sermons that you're preaching. Like yep. I tell pe- people all the time, like Jason's my favorite preacher, you know, yeah, you, need <laughs> you, you need some medical help, but it's, we've got some coming. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I mean, I say that um, because I feel like, you know, there's something that happens specifically in our community through your preaching um, that is the most relevant. And, you know, I'm not searching online for another sermon. Right. I, I feel, I feel full when I walk out on Sunday and yeah. there's so much that's applicable through the entire week right? from everything that we do and we're learning. Does that, does that make sense? Like, like sometimes yeah. I, I grieve when people are like, you know, they, they listen to 20 sermons outside, but like didn't even think about listening to the sermon they couldn't make on Sunday. Yeah. I feel like that was for them. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I all respect to those guys on the internet, but they don't have your name written down on a notepad praying for you, knowing that you're having a hard week because of, you know, a sickness or a loss or the loss of a loved one, mm-hmm. you know, they don't even know you're there. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe you send money to their internet ministry and an accountant knows you're there. You know, really, really a computer program knows you're there as it prints up that label to the other 25,000 followers, you know, yeah. that, and that's the extent of their knowledge of you. And that's not to say they don't love you or wouldn't love you if you were standing in front of them. Right. But there is a difference between your local pastor and the internet pastor and yeah. your local pastor, you know, man, why haven't they been here in three weeks, you know, or four weeks or man, it stinks what their kids going through, you know? And so those are the things that we think about. Mm-hmm. Yep. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Did we beat this thing to death or what? <laughs> well, we officially went longer probably than any of us ever preach. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But, um, you know, uh, yeah. So I think in the end, right. You need, we need to hear preaching from our local pastors. Mm-hmm. We need to come under the authority of the text and submit our heart to what the text says. We need to be ready to be encouraged, exhorted, confronted, and to ready to accept change. And we need to be ready to take what we have heard and serve other people with what we are learning. Mm, I like it. Is that, did I miss any other? No, I think I think that that sums everything up. I, I the you know we're coming as worshipers basically. Yes. We're yeah. coming ready to worship in every aspect of the service. Specifically today, we're talking about the sermon, right? But um, yeah, coming ready to listen and to engage and contemplate God's word for our us and others. Yep. All right. Hey, uh, can I just throw in one other thought? I don't want. To... I'll do it. 
not to have the last word. Well, you should get the last word. Is adequate, but uh, just a thought that I think has helped some people when I when I put it in these terms. But like some people maybe uh, undervalue the importance of, of sermons, and uh, I've heard people compare it even to like, or th- they'll make a statement like, you know, well. I've been listening to sermons all my life, but I tell you what, that testimony that fellow gave right there, that was the most powerful thing I've ever heard in my life, you know. And and they make it sound like all the sermons that they've heard in their whole lifetime are forgettable. Like they did they didn't make an impression on me. They didn't they didn't meet they didn't do anything to me like that one movie did or that one book did or that one testimony did. And I think it's important to remind people that listen to expository sermons that the other thing an expository sermon is, is one sermon. Yes. That's all it is. It's, it's one contribution to your spiritual life and growth. Um, it, it's, it's comparable to a workout. Okay. Or a meal, Right. Um, can you remember all the meals you've eaten in your lifetime? No. Would you have wanted to go without any one of them? No. Uh, workouts the same way. Did going to the gym that one time fix you? Is that the end of it? No. So there's a process. And to think of a, a sermon like that, to think of, of, of a sermon like a book, a book makes one contribution to the bigger picture of that topic. Sermons are the same way. So, just tempering your expectations and realizing, you know, I'm coming, I'm coming for a meal for right now and I need it. Yes. Um, just like I'm going to need another one next week yep. and the next week and the next week. And I wouldn't want to go without uh, that meal, just like I wouldn't want to go without the three meals I eat every day. So just tell when people realize that, Honestly, these sermons, God is using them as, as a tool in, in the sanctification process in your life. And you need them. You need to be there. You need to be faithful to come and hear uh, the exposition. But, but, but receiving it for what it is, a contribution, you know, and not having greater expectations than are realistic about it. <laughs> now, that's an excellent point. Uh, it is a steady diet. Yeah. Yeah. And if you look up and it's not been in your life for six months, you will notice it. But at the same token, mm-hmm. you probably don't realize the impact of the steady diet, you know, until a friend of yours is like, wow, you've really changed. And it's been three years mm-hmm. since they've seen you, mm-hmm. you know, and heaven, the spirit breaks that down and says, listen, you know, it wasn't, you know, cause most of the time, most of us are not growing like, you know, wow, you're a completely different person than you were yesterday. You know, it, it takes time <laughs> to, to, to learn how to follow the spirit and be led by him and, and to, you know, um, to walk with the fruits of the spirit and you know, all that takes time. And, um, yeah. And so you're right, right. It's not just one, uh, maybe too high of expectations. This one sermon will change your life. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. And maybe right, God does use one sermon to to lead you to salvation, and that does change your life. 
with the sanctification. No, that's an excellent point, Brad. One worthy of ending on. Well, thanks for having me, guys. Enjoyed it. Hey, thank you. Pleasure to have you, man. We'll uh, we'll close out then then say goodbye here. So let me let me do the little closing music because people like that one. All right, until next time. Mm-hmm.